Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. Welcome to Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual by JP Ong. Markets in Singapore and across the region more up than down. Um, well, I would say Singapore is definitely, but we're actually starting to see signs of markets across the rest of Asia starting to show signs of just fraying a little bit. But it's what well, they a, came back from lunch and they changed their pretty minds. Pretty much. I mean, you take a look at the Nikkei 225, for instance, which is down by about 0.8%, and markets in Shanghai and Shenzhen both slightly in the red. They're mm. both down by about, by about 0.2% each. The only two markets that are actually in the green today in Asia, among the majors, that is, are the Kospi up by about 0.2%. The Hang Seng hanging on by a thread. They're up by about five points out in Hong Kong. And you have the STI, actually, the Straits Times mm-hmm. Index, currently up now when you check up on the STI, up by about five points. So it's a day where you're starting to see some markets falling on one side. And it's pretty much a crapshoot at the moment. And it's relatively mixed and trades are relatively thin. doesn't seem there's a lot of people across Asia taking chances at the moment. So at the, when, when you have this, uh, this thin day of trading where people are being conservative and you have a relative lack of catalysts uh, moving markets so far today, anything can really go. So it's a bit fortunate, actually, for the STI and for markets here to at least be gaining just a little bit of ground and ending on the green side of the table at the moment. Uh, a sign of uh, assurance or encouragement for markets here when you move away from the uh, Straits Times Index and you leave the blue chips, you look at the second and third liners today, there are more winners than losers, although it's, it's still relatively close. You've got only about 179 stocks in the green, but they are outnumbering the 146 stocks which are in the red. So again, a slight edge again to the green team, at least, over here in Singapore. And I think it's also because a lot of folks are busy uh, taking stock of all these, this economic data that's really come out from China and from Singapore last week. A number of economists have actually mentioned that these two releases are going to be bellwether I've heard some economists actually call the Singaporean uh, GDP release, the advanced figures, um, a bit of a canary in the coal mine, mm-hmm. especially in the export chain, because as, because as many economists have said, Singapore continues to be one of the most open mm-hmm. and most vulnerable economies to global trade tensions and also the slowdown. So when you start to see Singapore show some of these uh, signs of shuddering, for lack of a better term, it does raise the alarm bells. What's going on exactly? Why is the canary? Why is the Singaporean canary starting to chirp in the coal mine at the mm-hmm. moment? And I think this is what, what's keeping folks at least a bit on the edge. There's also a few other things that, that we are watching out for. Keep in mind that next week, week, the Federal Reserve in the U.S. is going to be releasing their beige book, which details the economic conditions around the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, if that supports the very interesting picture that the Federal Reserve painted about the American economy. When Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, testified before U.S. Congress, he said there are business shocks at the moment. And one of, one of the things he's most worried about is business confidence in the U.S. has started to sag significantly, despite the fact that a lot of these macroeconomic figures, low unemployment, decent, almost decent inflation, uh, continued economic growth, despite all of this, everyone is staying on the sidelines going, well, I'm not going to jump into the pool. You go ahead. I'm going to hold back and wait for things to happen. So he was trying to bolster this case that we might need these interest rate cuts or these policy rate cuts down the road more, not so much to prop up the U.S. economy, but to help prop up business confidence. Tell, hey, don't, don't be scared. Remember, you learned how to swim the other week. You could jump into the pool and encourage businesses there to, to start growing. Now, you contrast that to what some of the regional Fed presidents were saying, the regional Fed president of the, uh, the Atlanta Fed and the Richmond Fed, I believe. They both said, actually, the, uh, the economy, at least from the regions we're watching right now, they're humming. There's mm-hmm. growth. So I did characterize it kind of like a good cop, bad cop, for, for lack of a better term. Powell seeming a bit more skeptical, seeming a bit more 
I guess, intense, whereas mm-hmm. his, his deputies are like, wait, wait, relax, boss. We, our regions are doing okay. And this Fed Beige book will probably give us more insight as to how that will uh, give us more color as to whether or not this is the picture that, the, uh, that Powell and friends are painting right now with regards to the U.S. economy. It's interesting what you just said. The Beige book is going to give us some color. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> it's very, um, it doesn't seem logical at all. I'm glad you pointed that out. But the Beige book is going to give us a little bit more color as to what the regions are going to be. So, so don't judge a book by its color. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. exactly. So there. But uh, yeah, and uh, I think this is just going to be the sentiment moving forward until, until Thursday. I wouldn't be surprised if folks were just a little bit more cautious um, over the next two, two to three trading days because there's, there's still a lot to, to digest. And I think uh, once this release comes out, you'll see just a little bit more conviction probably come back. And keep in mind that folks are waiting for earnings season in Singapore to pick up. Tomorrow is when Capital and Commercial releases earnings, mm-hmm. uh, their earnings figures. And we're waiting for Keppel Corp on Thursday as well as SATS to release. And then Wednesday is also when we get these non-oil and electronics exports here in Singapore. So the fact that we're even slightly in the green, despite all of these big uh, potential benchmarks or moments of truth for the markets, it leads you to believe that there's just a little bit more confidence from Singaporean investors at the moment because we're slightly in the green. But again, over the next four hours, this could change. Okay. Do you think that has anything to do with the IMF? Although they trimmed their economic growth forecast for Singapore, they trimmed it to 2%. Yes. Which is, uh, I thought, quite optimistic. Uh, rather optimistic. And uh, <clears throat> it's seldom you see a, a home country become more skeptical than an international body. Usually, mm-hmm. and this is co- coming from experience covering emerging markets before, usually you'll have the departments of finance of these co- countries going, no, no, we're doing a lot better than yeah, what they yeah, say. We're doing great. We're banging the drum. The IMF said, you know, Singapore's economic growth is probably going to slow to 2% in 2019 as global trade tensions hurt external demand. And they say it'll probably stabilize in the medium term. This is going to be in between the projection of the of, uh, of, of, of the Singaporean government. You're going to see growth slow to between one5 to 2.5%. But what's interesting is that the IMF seems more confident mm-hmm. in the Singaporean economy than two of the largest banks in Singapore. In fact, DBS saying 2%, <laughs> that's cute. We think that full-year Singaporean growth is actually going to come in at 0.7% only. This coming right. from Southeast Asia's largest lender, Singapore's largest bank, saying that the disappointing second quarter flash data pretty much took the wind out of the sails of the local economy. Mm-hmm. So DBS is saying that it's going to come in at 0.7%. OCBC is saying that it's going to come in between 0 to 1% so far. So there is a chance that we could end things flat. But again, this also raises the prospects of, well, we saw that the, those uh, discouraging advanced GDP figures in the second mm-hmm, quarter mm-hmm. Uh, showing that. And if we see another contraction quarter and quarter in the third quarter, that this could actually lead us into that technical recession sure. that uh, the likes of Maybank have, uh, have highlighted. But will it be shallow? Mm-hmm. That's the question, right? And can can Singapore actually pull itself up? Because there's a lot of external factors that, frankly, might not be completely in Singapore's control. And so we know we can only plan so much for things. But if this trade ten- the trade tensions continue to hit Singapore hard and continue to hit some of these sectors hard, these are things that <clears throat> no one can really control at the moment. And hopefully there are plans to try and mitigate some of these. I mean, some of the manufacturers here continue to say that they are still preparing for growth plans. But I think at the moment, I think the outlook here is going to be very cautious over the next couple of months because the sensitivities of the Singaporean economy are starting to come to the fore. Well, there are some analysts who are also saying that it's going to get worse before it gets any better between China and the U.S. That's usually what a lot of folks say, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess those are the people who are 
assuming that caution is the operative word for the so next couple it, of months. And it has been really for the last seven, yep. seven months even. Um, and here's something that, that will support that belief also. We've seen Donald Trump today, President Trump actually tweet out saying that he got a hold of those GDP figures from China and saying he it's was the slowest gleeful. of three. He was rather gleeful. It's the slowest in decades. We, that's why China wants to make a deal with us. I mean, it's kind of like you come back to the negotiating table and suddenly start needling the other party, right? Mm-hmm. Now you have the Chinese Ministry of Commerce today in a report from the South China Morning Post saying that uh, China must stay firm in the trade war and not give up too much ground. So this could be just them uh, posturing in front of their respective electorates before they come to speak. And uh, we also have to keep in mind that, uh, yes, trade talks are ongoing. However, both U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has said that, yes, we're going to speak to China again on the phone this week. So it's mm-hmm. the second time they've decided to just pick up the telephone and talk to each other, perhaps to save on, on airline fees. I don't know. But it doesn't lend, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't bolster the belief that they're making any progress. Yeah. Because how much can you really, uh, what does it really say with regards to your intention if you're just speaking to each other on the phone? When over the last six, seven months, you've been flying across the Pacific back and forth to meet with each other. Um, we're going to need to see some progress there. And if we don't, this, uh, the, the belief that things are going to get worse before they get better, the criticism might be, will they get better mm. <laughs> if, they, if we continue down this path? Right. Okay. Well, moving away from that, let's talk about, you said earnings time now again. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for some big results, but we've gotten some big results. Not all of them great. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Keppel today. Yes, so Keppel Infrastructure and Keppel REIT have both released, and I bring these and there's a, and they bring these two particular releases up in question because Keppel Corporation, the bigger the big daddy, is going to be releasing earnings on Thursday. You can get some context clues as to how they do because Keppel REIT and Keppel Infrastructure are parts of the Keppel family also. So we're seeing their reports cards come in. It's a bit shakier when you look at some of their releases. So Keppel REIT, for instance, they said that their second quarter distributions actually fell, fell by two point one percent because they saw lower one-off income from some of their properties such as the Ocean Financial Center and also lower revenues from the Bugis Junction Towers also. So they're saying that these are lower one-off incomes because of an early surrender of leases and also absence of rental support payments for its one-third interest in that Marina Bay Financial Center Tower 3. So they're, But what they're trying to stress at least is that this is a one-time thing that they can get pick themselves back up. Keppel Infrastructure, on the other hand, said that their distributions per unit came in flat. Mm-hmm. So no change. Still at 93 Singaporean cents. And I think it's interesting to look at these two particular also, because when Keppel Corp reports, you'll notice that Keppel Corporation, as a conglomerate, they've got their hands in many cookie jars. Right. But I, I took a look at the financials, actually, and look at the first quarter figures. Their total revenue of, uh, of Keppel Corporation, I believe, um, I, I believe about 40% of that actually comes from infrastructure and 25% of that comes from property. Mm-hmm. So infrastructure Structure, property, these are going to be the two big bellwethers that are driving Keppel Corporation moving forward. And we also have to remember that Keppel Corporation owns about 44% of Keppel REIT and about 18.2% of Keppel infrastructure. So when you see Keppel REIT show their distributions per unit come down slightly, what does that mean exactly? And what type of contribution uh, will that also impact the bottom line of, of Keppel Corporation? So they've got a very extensive set of financial statements. We'll have to pour through some of these. But we'll try to find out exactly what kind of impact. And, you know, for all we know, this could be just a small, just a flick on the wrist for, for Keppel Corporation. But again, um, property, infrastructure, arguably two of, two of the biggest arms mm-hmm. or two of the biggest pillars, at least for the, for the house of Keppel at the moment. So these figures, not bad, but also not entirely encouraging also. We'll see well, how the Last time up. we spoke about Keppel figures and exactly these two, uh, it was a slightly different picture. It was a slightly different picture. You're right. And I think, uh, don't know exactly what happened. But again, Keppel Corporation, because of their exposure to infrastructure and property, also makes them a very interesting proxy for the Singaporean economy. 
Right. So, and also because they do have operations in the offshore and marine and all that. So it could just be that as the Singaporean economy sags, so does Keppel Corporation as well. But I, we'll all bets are off until out. we actually see those figures come out. And who knows, maybe Keppel Corporation, maybe Keppel Corporation surprises us on the upside despite these two, because these are only two releases from the House of Capital. Right. And we'll wait until Thursday for those actual numbers to come out. Big numbers, they will be that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So rest of the day, are we looking at more sluggish trading in the green? I would not be surprised if we actually wiped this out. Really? And come down a little bit. So, I'm, uh, yeah, as you know, and just caveat again for our listeners, I hate making these calls. <laughs> but as you, if you twist my arm like you always do at 120, um, I might even argue, I wouldn't be surprised if the STI actually closed a bit, a touch in the red. Maybe we're up about three and a half points now. I mm. wouldn't be surprised if we closed about four points lower. Okay. Uh, and you're basing that on what's going on in the region. Well, it's going on in the region. The fact that uh, tr- value turnover at the moment isn't looking too inspiring. What is it right now? It's about 412 million at the moment. Okay. So it's not entirely inspiring. We saw yesterday that value turnover came in about 875 million, mm-hmm. just under a billion uh, Singapore dollars. So it, again, if you don't have this healthy turnover, a lot of these gains especially if it's, if it's as uh, tepid as, say, 0.1%, you'll have to question whether or not you can sustain that over the day. Okay. And uh, unless I see a big pickup in value turnover supporting even just a little bit more of a bump up, I would be very dubious about where the STI is going to end. And uh, I would just advise again that if, uh, well, not advice, that's, that's a very strong word coming from a journalist, right? I would, advi- I would, uh, I would point or suggest uh, to just keep tabs again of how the banks are doing. So mm-hmm. far, the good news is DBS is up by about half a percent so far. Singtel also up by about 0.3%. So you've got these two folks trying to at least keep the STI afloat. But UOB at the moment is flat. OCBC is down. So we'll see as the banking sector turns, so will the STI, I think, in the today's session. And we'll just see, uh, we'll, we'll do a recap of how they do when the markets close. It could be a little case of uh, treading water until the big reports come out in the it, next I, couple of days. I think that days. pretty much is it. what it is. But when you're tre- treading water and just chilling, who knows where it's going to end? But I, I think it's also important to state that whether or not the SEA closes slightly in the green, slightly in the red, mm-hmm. don't read too much into the session because yeah, there's no. not a lot of meat to really go by. I think it's going. we're going to get a lot more context probably on, on Thursday after we get uh, these two big reports, uh, those ex, the non-oil exports figures from Singapore as well on Wednesday. And we'll see. If they are as uh, they, if they were as disappointing as say those second quarter advanced GDP numbers. All right, this has been Market View on Workday Afternoon with JP Young and Clarissa Montero. Your Money FM eighty nine point three. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm eighty nine or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.